Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you guys here this morning. Uh, we are on our second to the last week of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite uh, called Cultivate, Strengthen Your Faith in uh, 2016. And throughout this series, we're doing everything possible to try and help you grow and put sort of some new ruts and routines and practices into your life that will ensure that 2016 is a year of tremendous uh, growth in your life. We're going to see you really come alive this year. And so uh, we're trying to give you tools. We're trying to bring inspiration, give you ideas on some things that, y- that will really help you grow. There are tons of resources on the back table. If you haven't seen them, you can check them out afterwards. Brought lots of books as well as on the website or on the Ignite Church app. If you don't have that yet, I'd encourage you to download that. Uh, There's a resource tab on there. It's got all kinds of things. It's got um, tools. It's got Bible reading plans. It's got articles. uh, It's got stuff for physical health kind of stuff. All different kinds uh, of of things that, again, are designed to help you grow this year. Every week of the series, we're just encouraging you to do something, right? Would you pick one, two, or three things and kind of put them into a spiritual growth plan for you that will help you take steps so that you'll grow in the upcoming year and not just drift through and find yourself a year from now in the exact same place that you were uh, today. And so, again, just trying to encourage you to to take some steps and start living those things out today. We're hoping to have 100% participation, so I'd encourage you to do that uh, and to kind of join us throughout the series and put some of these things into practice. Today I want to talk about the link between living out mission, like the mission of God in our lives, and our own spiritual growth. We're going to be talking about things like serving and sharing the gospel, about discipling or teaching others more about Jesus as sort of a way of life, because there's a significant link between serving others and a stretching of our faith in the process. There's a direct correlation between using our gifts and growing, between discipling others and developing ourselves. It's always kind of intrigued me, but there's a verse in Philemon. It's the only verse I know. It's a one-chapter-long book. It's the only one that I reference on a regular basis from the book of Philemon. But uh, it says this. Listen to this. It's talking about this. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ kind of crazy, but as we share our faith, as we learn to serve and give our faith away to others, we ourselves end up growing. We ourselves come to know Christ more. We have a fuller understanding of every good thing we have in Christ by sharing, by serving, by giving our faith away. Isn't that cool? Sometimes we think that we have to know enough or grow enough or be spiritual enough first in order to be able to serve or to share our faith or whatever. But actually the opposite is true. Until we start regularly serving and sharing our faith and teaching others, we'll be stunted to some degree in our own spiritual growth. Certainly that was the case in my life. Uh, I became a Christ follower when I was 18 years old and uh, best decision by far I ever made in my life. Sort of like the moment when the lights went on for me for the first time. And I, I started ferociously opening up God's book and reading through the New Testament. And uh, it just kind of came alive to me. It was, it was the point at which I felt like every time I, I opened up God's word, it was like he was speaking to me. And he was directing my life. And I was coming to life in, in, in crazy kind of ways. Uh, I read through most of In fact, I read through the entire New Testament in the first like six to eight weeks that I was a believer. And started to experience life change. Started to, to know God was was being filled with joy and peace, lots of good stuff. 
But I have to say, if I want to track where my, where my spiritual growth really started to jump up and to the right, if you were to graph it, right? I'm kind of a visual person. But if, if I were to track the most significant era in that first year or two of my spiritual growth, it would be coupled to the moment when I started serving others, when I started serving and using some of how God had wired me up to the benefit of others. For instance, uh, I, I was literally, I'd been a believer for probably three months or something like that when I started leading the first small group Bible study I, I ever had in my dorm. It was scary to me. It was terrifying. It was challenging. Did I really know what I was doing? No, right? I, I, I was, it was frightening to me, and yet I had a, a, a leader that kind of challenged me and said, you know what? I want you to consider stepping out and kind of just facilitating some discussion, facilitating uh, a discussion on God's word, and so I, I kind of felt a nudge from God in that, and I stepped out, and you know what? I grew more than anybody else in that group. It's true, I did. And you want to know why? It's because I recognized that I did not have all the answers. In fact, I recognized I had very few answers. I'd read through the New Testament once at that point. That was my entire knowledge base. And, uh, and so I started uh, devouring uh, and spending hours preparing, de devouring God's book more and more. I started spending tremendous amounts of time uh, reading uh, uh, some other Christian books as well as scripture and uh, started a discipling relationship where I was getting input and getting mentored by some people. And if I were to, to, again, if you were to graph my spiritual growth on a chart, it would be the moment when I started serving that all of that started to take place. I grew tremendously. As I started teaching others, as I started sharing my faith, as I started serving and using what God had, the, the opportunity that God had put before me, my spiritual growth spiked. It was an incredibly transformational year for me. But God used serving others as sort of a catalyst that brought me to life and caused me to grow in unprecedented ways. Well, it's been kind of fun. Uh, there's a, we got another example right here in the church. Some of you might have seen on Facebook this week. Uh, we've got uh, a person in our church, Molly, who uh, has kind of had some cool opportunities uh, to be growing it, uh, as she's serving as well. She's been looking for opportunities for some time now about how she can use her abilities as a hairstylist as a way to serve others and as a way to help uh, grow God's kingdom. And God sort of put it all together recently in like the last month by using her to start a ministry called Sheer Transformation, Fresh Cut, Fresh Start. Last Monday was their first time uh, cutting hair for veterans and for, for people who can't maybe usually afford it, that kind of thing, helping them to get back on their feet, getting them spruced up for job interviews and helping them to know that they are loved and valuable and beautiful. Check out some of these pictures. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's already taken off like crazy. Other hairstylists have sort of jumped on board. They got things donated to them. Uh, she's already having to lead others. The, the, their first week, the first time they opened this thing up with virtually no publicity, uh, they, they maxed out the number of slots they had and had to turn people away. Dozens and dozens of people showed up, in, 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 again, for the first time. It was cool. If you haven't yet, isn't that cool? Yeah. Give Lord a hand. If you haven't yet had an opportunity to get her talking about it, I'd encourage you to ask her about it afterwards. Uh, pretty cool. Just watch her light up as she talks about serving others. She's growing. God is stretching her, and God is using her to bring her to life as well as to serve other people. It's 
It's part of all of our journey. As if we want to keep growing as Christ followers, part of that growth will come in the form of mission. It will come in the form of serving others. Part of that journey will be linked to living missionally, serving, sharing, and teaching others about Christ. We talked about this verse briefly the first week of the series, but I want you to look with me at it again. Hebrews uh, 5, 11 through the end of the chapter says this. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because uh, you are slow to learn, <laughs> he's writing to, to these Christ followers. He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to be teaching other people. You need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. One of the things that's most fascinating to me about this passage is, I uh, just want you to notice what it says or implies about those who are mature spiritually. Spiritually mature people, according to this passage, are those that teach others, are those that feed others, are those that help others find and walk with Christ. Babies, right, need someone to feed them. Toddlers learn to feed themselves, but adults feed and serve and help others. It's part of how we grow up, and it's a mark of maturity. Reminds me of a story that I, I ran across one time of a pastor out in the California area. Had a conversation with a woman. Somebody, a woman called him up on the phone and wanted to talk about his, his church. And she said this to him. She said, hey, we're looking for a church where we can be blessed. I don't know why, but I picture this in a southern accent. Can't you hear it? We're, we're looking for a church where we can be blessed. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> like that kind of thing. And the pastor said, that's fine. But we're looking for church members that can bless the church. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. We're looking for a place where we can be fed. And the pastor said, that's fine, ma'am, but we're looking for people that can feed others. And finally, she kind of scratched her head and said, what kind of church is this? <laughs> what kind of church is this? We live in a culture and in a time and in a season in, in, the, in, in the United States especially where we are consumed with being fed and with receiving blessing and on give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And, and what God says, he says, you know what? I want to talk to you about spiritual growth. I want to talk to you about what spiritual maturity looks like. It's not so much about give me, give me, give me, give me. Real spiritual maturity looks like this. It looks like those that serve others. It looks like those that help feed others. It looks like those who give to others, right? Who share Christ with others. We can be so tempted to think, especially in our church world, that we grow by just getting fed more. Give me, give me. By reading more, by hearing more messages, by listening to more podcasts, right? That'll make us grow spiritually, we think. It's so tempting for us to think that spiritual growth is only a matter of stuffing ourselves with more Christian content, but it's not true. I mean, even babies and toddlers, children will not grow if all they do is eat, Right? We eat, certainly is that important, of course, but if they have to exercise, they have to interact with others, they need to get pushed and stretched and do something with what they learn in order to grow. The spiritual realm is no different. I mean, is learning important? Of course it is. It's a, it's a part of it. But that'll only take you so far, and then you've got to act on it. We've got to get stretched. We've got to jump into the realm of faith. It reminds me... Um, my oldest daughter, Lizzie, is 15 years old. She took, uh, she took driver's ed last quarter uh, at school. And so she spent, I don't know, what's a quarter? Eight weeks? 
10 weeks, what is it? I don't, don't really know, but whatever that is. She spent a quarter um, learning. I mean, they, they studied, they read through the books, they learned the rules of the road. They had to take a test to sort of certify, okay, you're now ready to sit behind the wheel of a car and, and start, you know, start actually getting experience driving, that kind of thing. She spent a whole bunch of time. She did extremely well, as she always does in her studies. She's doing a great job. And, uh, and so you think, great, so she's good to go then, right? I mean, she knows everything she needs to know about driving. She should be in good shape, right? So I took her out over Christmas break, and I thought, you know what? We're going to, I'll take her out. It'll be her first time. It'll be great. We went to a big, empty parking lot up on the north side of Peoria, and I thought, this is going to be great. Nobody was around. Uh, it'll be perfect. And so I drove over there, put it in park, left the car running, got out, said, okay, let's switch. So she got in. I said, go ahead and adjust your seat and your mirrors. So she did that, got everything just right. And I said, okay, now go ahead, put your foot on the brake, grab the gear shift, put it down into drive. And she starts, she, she kind of freezes, and then she starts looking down underneath. She said, now, which one's the brake again? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa! Like, let's, let's back the train up a few steps. Like, this is the brake. This is the accelerator. I mean, like, this kind of... There's a whole huge difference between reading about it, right, and knowing something about it, hearing lectures on something, and actually putting the car in drive and driving around, right? Learning how to handle it. Spirit, the spiritual life is not really that much different. There's, a, there's certain things we can learn, and it's good to get input. We need to be challenged and spurred on by God's word. It's important that we have connection and fellowship here. It's important that we're in groups, that we get sharpened by other people, that kind of stuff. But you have to act on it as well. Spiritual maturity, spiritual growth happens as we put these things into practice. It's why mission is so is so critical to our growth spiritually it's why learning to serve it's why learning that you know what i'm wired up and god's putting certain gifts and talents and abilities in me and in you that he means to put into practice right to use them for his purposes in our world as we do so we grow it's why as we share our faith, we inevitably end up growing. It's why as we pass on what has been taught to us, we grow, right? It's up and to the right. It's so critical to put these things into practice. Our temptation, our default is always to look inward, to have that give me, give me, give me sort of mentality on our own wants and our own needs. But God is continually trying to draw our eyes upward onto him and outward in service so that we would love him and love others so that we would serve him by serving those around us he's constantly trying to 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 take us and to push us from just knowing to living right living it out in our world and this is classic Jesus kind of stuff, right? Life is found in giving ourselves away. Life is found in serving others. Even spiritual growth is found. Blessing is found in giving rather than receiving. Listen to this, Acts 20, 35. They're quoting the Lord Jesus himself. Look at that last line. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself that said it's more blessed to give than receive. Is that true financially? Yeah, but it's way bigger than that, right? This is a biblical principle. He's saying it is better. It's, it's more blessed to give your life away than just live our lives. Give me, give me, give me, give me. John 13, 12 through 17, this is Jesus' interaction where he's washing the feet of the disciples. Remember this? John 13 says this. When he, Jesus, had finished washing their feet, the, the job of the lowest servant in that day, right? You would never expect somebody like a teacher or a rabbi, let alone the son of God to take this on. But he, he washes their feet, and it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, his outer robes, and he returned to his place at the table. 
He said this to his followers, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, have stooped down and served you, you also should wash one another's feet. You also should serve one another. I've set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, what's that last line say? You will be blessed if you know them. Is that what it says? You will be blessed if you hear a bunch of podcasts on him. Is that what it says? You will be blessed if we hear some really good sermons on it. No, you will be blessed, he says, if you do them. What's he talking about? He's talking about serving. He's talking about putting these things into practice, serving, sharing, blessing others, all right? Helping others to grow in their faith, serving uh, others so that they can grow, so that they can come alive. I can't really explain why, but it's true. Life is not found in making life all about me, but real life and blessing and joy and growth comes as we live out the mission of God in our lives by serving, by sharing, by teaching. So if you really want to grow in your faith in 2016, we have got to include this this whole area of missional living. If we want to reach our potential, then we've got to be living out the mission of Jesus in these three ways, right? In the serving, in the areas of serving, sharing, and teaching. And I just want to walk through these one at a time as we we walk through. I'll spend the most time on the first one just to warn you if you're watching your clocks going, ah, he's spending so much time. No, the other two will go through pretty quickly. But, but what I want you to do is as we go through each one of these, I want you to just ask yourself, how am I doing on this one? Is my life characterized by serving the way we're going to talk about? Is my life characterized by sharing Christ with those around me in ways that we're talking about? Is my life characterized by teaching even, by discipling, by helping other people come to know and love and follow Jesus that way? Or not so much? Or does this need to be part of my spiritual growth plan for the upcoming year? Or do I need to do something about it? With me? So the first one is this. First one we're just going to look at is serving, right? This whole area of serving. Let me give you one more example. Uh, there was a woman up in our church in, uh, when we were there in Wisconsin uh, named Sandy. And Sandy had a, she was uh, great, but she's uh, a little rough around the edges, okay? She is sort of a salt of the earth kind of person. She had worked in a factory, blue-collar job, and, uh, and she just kind of had that feel to, to a rough. Her past was rough. She'd been abused when she was a kid uh, and had a terrible home life, and, uh, and then that ended up driving her to one drug after another. Her, 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 she sort of just went up the the, uh, the food chain of drugs, and you, you pretty much name it or know it, she was hooked on it and spent decades of her life that way. She went, for a while, she went from man to man to man to man, seeing if that's where life was at and kind of chewed them up and spit them out and that kind of thing. It, she had a rough past, but after several decades of living like that, she came to a crisis in her life. Things were not going well for her, and suddenly she uh, met a Christ follower who shared with her about a God that was crazy about her, a God that had come to set her free from sin and addiction and all the junk of the past, who wanted to make her new and forgive her and give her a, a life for the second half of her life, infinitely better than she could ever imagine in the here now. She shared with them about this, this Savior named Jesus that came for her. And Sandy, at that point in her life, opened her heart wide to Christ. 
and she started growing and she started getting plugged in and reading God's word. She started experiencing freedom and transformation. She walked out of addiction and into recovery, an amazing story. God put all kinds of pieces uh, back together and was bringing about all kinds of life change. And it was about in that era that I got to know Sandy. She started coming to our church up in Northeast Wisconsin. And uh, she she was growing. She was a joy to have around. Uh, She was a part of uh, growth groups, small groups, Bible studies, that kind of stuff. Uh, And after a couple of years and after I kind of got to know her and her story a little bit, uh, she came into my office one day. We were having a conversation about where she was wired to serve, what, what kind of plans God might have for her. And I, I mentioned to her and said, hey, we've been wanting to start this recovery ministry. And I wonder if you might uh, take a look at some of the material and see if maybe God doesn't have something in this for you. And uh, she took it off my hands, went home and devoured it. She went through the entire program herself. Uh, she, she read through it. I think that day, she went through the whole program herself in the next uh, month or two, and about two months later, she'd started her first recovery group and walked a small group of maybe six, eight, ten people um, through this program, helped uh, many of the people in this, in this deal walk out of addiction into freedom, led a bunch of people to Christ. It was amazing. And then she started a second group, and then she started a third group, and a fourth group, and a fifth group. When, when we left, she had six groups going and was starting another one for teenagers. And I'll tell you what, the last six months we were there, here's the story, pretty much every, at least once a week, uh, She'd get done with a group or with meeting somebody or something like that, and Sandy would, would come in. She'd knock on the door of my office, right? She'd close the door, pull a chair up to my desk, sit down, and she'd start bawling and would tell me stories about how God was transforming people's lives. And every week, she would say the same thing. She'd keep saying, I don't know why I get to be a part of it, but I was born for this. This is what I'm made for. And she would say to me, she would say, thank you. And I'd be like, I don't know why you're thanking me. I mean, like, this is my joy to get to watch this, to get to be a part of it. But I'll tell you what, if you could chart her growth on a graph, you would see off the charts, right? She's like, this is what I'm made for. This is what I get to do is to serve And I tell you what, when we find our sweet spot in serving, when we get to discover how we're wired up, the gifts that God's given us, the story that God's given us, and we can experience serving in a way that we can kind of see all that come together where God will use that to impact others around us, man, there's nothing better. Not only is missional living critical to our own growth, not only is it foundational for living a life of faith, with Jesus, but it is absolutely essential to our growth corporately as well, isn't it? To, to reaching our full potential as a church. We cannot reach our full potential as a church, as a ministry without you. According to what the Bible says, I mean, you and I are just that important to the mission of the church. Without your contribution, without your unique service, your unique gifts and talents and abilities being used in the ministry and as a church, we won't be able to grow to our full potential either in numbers or in depth. Listen to this, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It's talking about spiritual gifts, specific different gifts that are given uh, within the body of Christ. There's uh, many others, but these are a few that get listed. It says, it was he, it was God, who gave some to be apostles, 
He gave some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith uh, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every uh, wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, it's a metaphor he's using here, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's using this analogy, this imagery of a body of Christ. He says, you know what? You, the church, he's talking the broader church, but it's also true of the local church, right? He's saying, you, the church, are like a body. You are interconnected, interdependent, and we need you, he's saying. Elsewhere, he talks about how, I mean, you, you can't, everybody can't be a hand, everybody can't be the legs, everybody can't be the eyes. You need each and every part in order to reach your full potential, in order to, to, for the body, for the church to function well and to, to, to reach its full potential. You kind of get what he's saying here? He's saying that you and I cannot and will not reach our full potential, either as individuals or as a church, without each one of us serving, without each one of us participating, using our God-given spiritual gifts and passions and abilities to serve him and to serve one another and to impact the world. When we do so, God's mission and God's kingdom advance here on the earth. It's a powerful thing to be a part of. 1 Peter 4.10 puts it like this. says, each, each of you should use whatever gift you have received from God to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its, various, in its various forms. I wonder how you're doing on this one. Would you say that you are using your gifts and your talents and your abilities in a meaningful place of service? I mean, certainly in the church, as in a family, right? Sometimes we serve because there's a need, right? Sometimes we serve because that we just want to pitch in and be, be team players. Sometimes we have to do setup. Sometimes we serve in kids' ministry, right, because there's a need. But increasingly, as we discover how God has wired us, more and more our service should line up with our gifts, with our passions, with our abilities, with our own uh, experience and who we are. Let me just give you an example. Uh, for the last uh, few weeks, we've been uh, working on sort of a creative and fairly uh, inexpensive strategy to help invite outsiders uh, into our Easter celebration. We typically send out uh, mailers, like 20 or 25,000 of them. It's pretty pricey, and uh, it has sort of okay kind of results. And so we were saying, hey, we don't feel like we have the money to spend this time that we usually would. How could we do something that would be equally or more impactful on less of a budget. And so uh, this last week, I invited uh, three other pretty entrepreneurial, leader-type, visionary-type people around the table, and the four of us spent some time brainstorming together. And I have to say, it was awesome. I, I mean, there was life, there was energy. As people were using their giftedness and who they were, they were throwing in ideas from their experience, from their backstory. It was fun. We were energized. And within an hour, we came up with a strategy and a plan that's pretty stinking awesome. And you're going to be hearing more about it because you're right at the middle of it. But it's going to be fun and, and creative. I think it'll be awesome. It'll work really well. But uh, one of the pieces, one of the ideas that we uh, 
had thought of and, and came up with was, was this whole idea of, uh, of having some videos that we're going to use as part of, our, part of our strategy that we'll use online and that actually you can use online. And so uh, on Friday then, I ended up meeting with a college student who is majoring in this and who has a passion, has done it in the past, has experience with video kind of stuff. And I started sharing and pitching the vision with her and she got all jazzed about it and got encouraged and was, was that kind of thing. And I, was, I, I just was like, you know what, this is a big, this is a small, this is a microcosm, a small picture of what the body is meant to be like, right? Each one of us using our gifts and our talents and our abilities for the greater good, for the, for the purposes of Christ, for the mission of Christ, and each one of us has a unique contribution to make. You have a contribution to make that nobody else can quite make. You're needed. You are hardwired by God, right? He, is, he has put you together uniquely to make a contribution to the kingdom of God. God has designed you to be a 10 in a specific area or two or three in which he has given you spiritual gifts and passions and ability. And when you start putting those gifts into practice, you start using them for God's purposes and, and for his kingdom, his power gets seen and known through you. It helps the church to grow. It advances his cause and his mission and it helps you to grow too. You're uniquely designed for that role. My wife, Tina, let me give you some examples. My wife, Tina, has a gift of mercy. Uh, she is seriously probably the most merciful person I have ever met. She, I have her permission to share this, by the way, but she's like off the charts. People that are hurting, people that are going through a rough patch, people that are in need of care or shepherding or prayer inevitably find their way to her happens all the time. When we were first married, I used to give her such a hard time because she would go out for coffee with somebody or, or another, and inevitably, they would start sharing hearts. They'd cry together, right? I'd be like, you guys are a bunch of crybabies. Like, what is going on? They'd cry. They'd hug. They'd, she'd pray for them. They'd pour out their hearts to her. And like for some people, some people that would go through that experience, they would come back, and they would be drained, right? They'd be like, oh, I'll tell you what, my wife comes back bouncing off the walls. <laughs> like, she's like, the living God just used me. She just had an opportunity to invest in and love on and pray for somebody that needed it. It's how she's wired. Now, for some of us, that would be a total drain. But you know what? There's others of us that maybe are wired up administratively or something like that. We love to bring order out of chaos. We love to know how things work. We think in systems and I mean, kind of map things out. We're ultra organized. Probably you know, organize our underwear drawer. You know, it's a color coordinated or something. I don't know. But I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? We just or bring order to everything. Or maybe that's not you, but maybe you're wired up to, to, to teach and maybe and maybe you should, you know you come alive as you have an opportunity to sit with a, a small group of people or a large group of people or kids or whatever else and open up God's book or something like that. Share with them about uh, the, the living God. Maybe that's kind of your gig. Maybe you're wired up to start or to lead certain things, ministries or, or whatever. Maybe you've got a passion uh, for hurting, for the poor, for the broken, for something like that. Maybe you have giftings uh, in the areas of prayer or intercession. Man, and I'll tell you what, you spend time, you spend hours on your knees praying for other people. We need you, right? This is significant. Maybe you have gifts of wisdom or faith or whatever else. There are lots of gifts, and there are almost an infinite number of passions and experiences and abilities. But all of them are a part of how God has wired you up to serve and to make a difference in his church and in this world. He has given each one of us certain gifts. He's given you 
specific gifts and abilities and experiences to be able to serve with us together in carrying out his mission and his plans for this world. You have a unique contribution to make that nobody else quite can, and we need you. Let me ask you, how are you doing in this area? Have you found your serving niche yet? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Have you found your sweet spot, the place of serving impactfully in ministry? If so, that's awesome. I know there are some of us here that know what those things are, and we are pouring ourselves out for the kingdom in those areas. And if that's you, let me just say, way to go. But if you're still kind of got a question mark on this one, if you're still not 100% sure where you fit, how you're wired up, if you haven't found your sweet spot yet, then can I encourage you to join us on Saturday, right? Two and a half hour long workshop from 9.30 to noon at the church office. There's a sign-up sheet there. It's also on your communication card. You can check a box on that. Let us know you're coming. But we'll spend two and a half hours uh, together. We'll, we'll send you uh, something ahead of time kind of to help evaluate and help you figure out, learn how you're wired and where your, where your sweet spot is where your maximum contribution could be in the kingdom of God. I can still remember being 22 years old and discovering for the first time that I had a, I had a unique contribution to make. First time I'd ever, it ever dawned on me, first time I'd ever heard it, that God had put certain spiritual gifts inside of me that he wanted to use to bring about his kingdom plans in this world. And I'll tell you what, it brought me to life in ways I can't even imagine. It kind of changed the trajectory of my life to some degree realizing that God had some greater purpose, some greater plan, and the gifts that he put inside of me, the experiences, the passions, those were all hints or indicators at what that trajectory could be. There's nothing quite like it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this, all of you together are the one body of Christ, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. We need you. So that's the first one, right? Serving, the second two I'll hit quickly. Serving is the first one. Sharing is next. I already kind of set this one up with a Philemon passage about sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. This one has to do with telling and sharing with others about Christ, about who he is, about what he's done and is doing in your life and pointing others to him. Jesus' final words on this earth, the words that he left to his followers and are passed on to us today are this, Matthew 28, 18, Acts 1, 8. We kind of get glimpses of these from. It says this, and Jesus came to them, and he said this. He said, all authority, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me, he says. Therefore, he says to his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts 1.8, we get a little bit more of a snapshot there. He says this, but you, this is Jesus talking again, says, but you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The mission given to us by Jesus is to share him with the world, to be witnesses of how we have seen and known Christ's work in our own lives, and to share that with those around us to share what he's done in our lives and to help others become followers or disciples of Jesus. Jesus looks at his followers and he looks at us and he says, you are witnesses. You are missionaries. You are ministers. You are ambassadors. You are fishers of men, he says elsewhere. And God has big plans for you. 
He wants to use you to impact lives and eternities if you let him. There's no more important work, and that is what God calls us to. Perhaps the growth area for you in 2016 could be that there's an individual or two or three people around you that are desperately in need of Christ, that are desperately looking for hope, that are maybe struggling, and maybe as God has uniquely put you there to be able to point them to Jesus, to be able to, to pray for them to be able to share with them about a God that loves them, that's crazy about them, that loves them so much that he thinks they're worth dying for. Maybe that's the plan that God has for you. Maybe that's a growth area for you. How are you doing on this one? I mean, we're surrounded by thousands and literally millions of people that are living their lives apart from Christ. And God's plan to reach them involves who? (laughs) Involves you. It involves you, it involves me, it involves us. He has strategically placed you at work, in your neighborhood, in your family perhaps, to share with them about Christ, to point them to Jesus. You may be the only Christ follower they know. Romans 10, 14 and 15 puts it like this. This is Paul talking. He says, but how can they call, how can people call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? What's the implied answer? They can't, right? And how can anyone preach or share with them unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's a beautiful thing to bring good news to people that need it to bring hope and life to people that need it, to bring the hope and life, the good news that a Savior has come for them, that there is new life, that there's forgiveness, there's second chances and third chances, there's grace available. Is that good news? Is it good news that God can make us new? Is it good news to to know that God is with us and will never leave us or forsake us? Is it good news to know that he promises for those that have turned to him, that have opened up their hearts and lives to Jesus and cried out, I need you. Would you come and forgive me and save me and make me yours? Is it good news that for those that have cried out to him that we can know that we know that we know that we're gonna spend eternity with him, life in heaven with him forever? Is that good news? Yeah. There's good news for today and tomorrow and the next day straight on through to forever. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can people hear, Paul says, unless somebody tells them? God has plans for you. We were talking about this in our, in our growth group this last week and saying, man, it brings purpose to every part of life. What if God has strategically put you in your group at work or in your cubicle or in your whatever, wherever it is that you work, in your area, what if he specifically put you there to build a relationship with and shine and share about Christ to those that need it? What if he's put you there to minister, to bring the hope and the life of Jesus to people that need it? What if it's no accident that you're going to the grocery store that you are or the gas station? What if God has plans for you? You see what I'm saying? It can bring purpose to all of life. That's about all the time we have. I'll keep going. Sorry, I've got more stories, but I think I'll keep going. Uh, the third one is this. So, so serving, right? Serving, using the, the wiring that God's put inside of us to serve his purposes in this world. Sharing with those around us wherever we go, right? 
whoever were around, loving and serving and sharing with people uh, about, a cri- about, a, about a Savior that's crazy about him. And the third one is teaching, teaching or discipling. Uh, there's second half of the Great Commission we just read, right? You can pull up that next slide if you would. So he says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And it says, and then teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Who's responsible for teaching others to follow Christ according to that? You guys have gotten weak. Come on, you can talk in church. Who's responsible? We are, are, right? Us, absolutely. You, me, all of us. It's part of the mission that Jesus left us. It's stretching to have to teach others. I know as a parent, it's always stretching to have to teach and articulate our faith to our kids. Every time I do it, I grow. It's just true. Sometimes they ask really hard questions. Is that not true? (laughs) We were talking about this a few weeks ago again in our growth group. In Titus and Timothy and Ephesians, God urges fathers to train up their kids in the Lord. They urge older men are encouraged to train younger men. Older women are encouraged to teach younger women about following Christ in their families and on and on. And we were talking about that and saying, well, which one are we? I mean, we're a pretty young church. I mean, we've got quite a few people in their 20s or in their 30s. So are we the ones that are to, on, to be on the receiving end of that deal, right? Is that, is that the plan that we're just like, okay, well, I'm only in my 20s or my 30s. So just feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. We said, no, that's not the plan, right? That's, that's not God's design. Throughout the pages of God's book, we see over and over and over that we are both the older and the younger. We are, we are to be both ones that are teaching others and we are, to be people that are being taught, right? It's, it's that kind of a thing. Second Timothy uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 talks about it, sets up this pattern. And uh, it's, it's what I call the Yoda principle, right? <laughs> it's the Padawan and the uh, master kind of thing. Second Timothy 2.2 describes this pattern. It says, wh- he says, Paul, the older, right, says to, to Timothy, um, the, the person that he's apprenticing, he says, what you have received from me Paul says, pass on to others that they can pass it on to others as well. We are both to be taught and to be teaching others, right? You're to be both an apprentice learning from others and a teacher uh, to others, especially those younger in the faith than you. There's a pattern that's sort of set forth in the scriptures of apprenticeship, of teaching and training and helping others to grow in their faith, helping them to grow in their knowledge and understanding of God and his word. At home, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships. We are to help teach and correct other Christ followers, point them back to Jesus and back to his word with gentleness and respect, to point one another back to the truth of God over and over and over. Proverbs uh, 27 puts it like this, and I think this is just true, right? Uh, you know, hit that next slide, Cal. Be great. Says this, oops, you don't have it. Okay, well, then maybe I'll just share it. <laughs> it says, it, Proverbs 27, 17 says this. It says, this, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And it's true, isn't it? I mean, we need each other in order to grow. We need each other to help point us back to Christ. We need to be corrected or nudged in the right direction gently, right? Not like bring out the hammer and beat people, but like, yeah, no throwing elbows, right? That kind of thing. But, but sometimes we need people to gently correct us and encourage us and say, you know what? I'm, I'm not so sure that squares with what God's plan is for you. Like, and here's the truth of his word, right? Kind of thing. I need that. You need that. We need that together in order to grow into the fullness of God. It's part of the mission that has been left to us. 
to both help make disciples, right, and help people come to know Christ and to help them grow up in Christ as they teach. Friends, God has called you, he has called me to live our lives on mission. Part of God's plan to grow you as well as to impact the church and to impact the world around us. Part of God's plan to bring his kingdom to bear in even greater fullness is to use you by serving, by sharing, and by teaching. As we embrace our calling and our role in God's plans, as we put this stuff into practice, as we act on what we know, we get to see and know God more. We get to experience and live more and more in his kingdom and see his plans realized in our world. It's the best way to live. It really is. I wonder how you, where you're at today or what God might be saying to you. It could be that you're here today and maybe this Jesus stuff is new to you. Maybe, maybe you're unfamiliar with this, uh, this uh, church stuff and this God stuff and that kind of thing. And if that's you, can I just say, man, first of all, we're glad you're here. Second of all, uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe the application step for you is just to check out this guy named Jesus the Savior that thinks you're worth dying for. Maybe that's, maybe that's your action step. Maybe that's something that you can put into place and say, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hunt him down this year. I'm gonna figure out who this Jesus guy is. I'm, maybe for you, you need to start cracking open God's book if, if you're, and check out this Jesus guy for yourself. If that's you, I'd encourage you to start in Luke or John. It's a book in the New Testament. It talks all about Jesus. Figure out who this guy is. And if he's worth following, if you think he really is who he says he is, be worth checking out. Or maybe you've taken that step before. And maybe as we're talking about the spiritual gift and the serving thing, this whole idea that you are wired and put here for a purpose, that you have a unique contribution to make, maybe this is new for you. And you're like, you know, I'm not so sure I, I know where my sweet spot is. I'm not sure I know how I'm wired up. I'm not sure I understand why I'm here. And if that's you, man, I would just encourage you, maybe your application step for today, maybe part of your plan is you need to sign up for the Wired workshop that's happening Saturday. Not that I'm like a total commercial, but I'm kind of a commercial, right, for this. <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, man, it's good stuff. That can help give you some real wisdom and understanding in who you are and the plans that God has for you. Maybe for you, maybe it's not so much a matter of serving. Maybe you found a regular spot to serve. But maybe it's a matter of, of sharing for you. Maybe, maybe as a growth area for you this year, maybe there's a neighbor or a friend or a coworker or somebody around you. Maybe they're going through a rough time. Maybe you just know they're living their life far from God these days. And maybe, maybe for you this year, God's just nudging you and encouraging. Would you be praying for them? Would you be loving on them? Would you be sharing with them some of how he has come and transformed your life? and how he came and wants to do the same in them. Maybe that's, maybe that's a step for you this, this year. Maybe it's the teaching one. Maybe God's nudging you to pour into your kids or into your family. Maybe if you haven't yet, maybe you should grab one of these uh, family devotional baskets. How many of you guys gra grabbed one of those with the kids? Right? Have you started them? Have you put them into practice? We did, we did some at our house. They've been so fun. It's been a great catalyst to start conversations, spiritual conversations. Maybe you use something like that, a tool like that to start discipling and teaching and pouring into your kids, opening up God's book together and learning about this God more as a family. Maybe it's, it's somebody else. Maybe it's your spouse or another Christ follower that you're like, you know what, maybe, I, I feel like this nudge that maybe I need to pour into them and help them grow, help them uh, learn more about Christ this year. We, we as a church, um, 
We figure that uh, about a third of the people that are in the seats any, any given week are, uh, are new believers or newer believers. And so there's always a need for people that have been in the faith a while to help disciple and help mentor and help teach those that are younger. If that's you, I'd love to help you discover and maybe get partnered up with somebody if you, if you have a nudge to do that. Maybe you've been holding back, but God is kind of nudging you forward. Maybe there's a ministry dream that God has put on your heart. Maybe to start something, maybe to take action on something, maybe to get plugged in and serving in a regular place of service. Who knows? But if that's, if that's you, I'd love to grab a cup of coffee with you and talk more. Maybe you've got a heart for kids or a heart for technology or worship or something like that. You want to find out more about the process of getting involved in those areas. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to check that on your communication card. And again, we could talk more. Whatever it is, friends, let's take some steps to grow in our faith in this area of mission in 2016, to find a meaningful and significant place of service, to engage in, in building relationships with and sharing Christ with those around you that don't know him yet. And let's be a part of teaching and regularly encouraging and pointing those around us who are Christ followers into greater levels of devotion and knowledge and living for him in the upcoming year. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness. I thank you that you have great plans for us. If we are here and we have a pulse, <laughs> that you have good plans for us. Father, and I, we just want to open up our hearts and our lives to you. We pray that you would reveal yourself and your will to us more and more. We pray that you would open up our ears to the whispers and the promptings of your spirit. And I pray that you'd help us to take a step with you. Whether that's just opening up our lives to you and crying out, we need you, Jesus. Whether it's checking you out and seeing who you are more and more whether that's finding a regular and meaningful place of service, whether that's uh, sharing you with somebody uh, around us or, or teaching somebody around us more uh, about Christ as well. God, we want to be your people. We want to live out your mission with passion. We can experience your presence in your life in us more and more. We want to align our lives more and more with you. So come and have your way. Give us courage and boldness. Give us... Um, yeah, give us faith to follow you into the great unknown. May your kingdom come and your will be done in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name.